This is the Tornado Trackers Podcast. The Tornado Trackers are Storm Chasers, Jeremy Heyman, Jeff Mangum, and me, Gabe Cox. Hey, I'm Jeremy. I'm Gabe. And I'm Jeff. Welcome to the Tornado Trackers podcast. We are so happy to have you here today. We have an amazing episode. Uh, we're so, so excited about our awesome guest. Um, but this is a rare morning record for us guys. Uh, how are you doing this morning, fellas? <laughs> I'm I'm doing okay. You might notice some background noise for Jeff and I. I'm getting uh, currently some thunder sleet outside. So if you hear a rumble of thunder or little pieces of ice hitting the window, that is what is going on outside currently it's It's spicing it up a little bit it's not just in post yeah that's really happening right now that's that's pretty fun practical effects for the podcast yeah we're hoping your power holds out for for this record the yes the sagging power lines yeah (laughs) oh goodness tension literally yeah uh gosh well yeah i feel like this morning record i feel like i have a couple extra gears you know to to think and feel we usually record record at night so i'm stoked um yeah, so why don't we intro our guest? I'm so thrilled. Been thinking about this record for uh, for weeks and weeks. Um, so yeah, let's let's just dive in. So Ginger Z is an Emmy Award winning certified broadcast meteorologist and the chief meteorologist at ABC News. No big deal. She reports on the nation's weather on Good Morning America and across ABC News broadcasts and digital platforms. Ginger has broadcast so many indelible severe weather moments, including from the devastated Jersey Shore after Hurricane Sandy, the aftermath of the Moore and El Reno tornadoes in Oklahoma, record-setting heat in Death Valley, California, and the absolute devastation of Hurricane Michael um, in Mexico Beach, Florida. She's also a New York Times bestselling author of four really wonderful books, her fascinating memoir, Natural Disaster, and her three wonderful young adult uh, novels, The Chasing Helicity series. Ginger is also a mental health advocate and just a huge hero and inspiration to us tornado trackers. Uh, so welcome to the show, Ginger Z. What an honor. Thank you. Thanks for the great intro, too. Yeah, this is this is great. Just talking to people who really know what I'm talking about. Like, the, the you know, I named the book Natural Disaster. I cover them. I am one because it was the easiest title um, ever written because it really is just true. Uh, but so much of my who I am has come from the science that I love and putting together the puzzle that is the atmosphere, the thing that I still wake up every morning excited to see. And that's the sky. I mean, it's the first that first observation that I get in my eyeballs is like how I propel my day. So it's nice to be with three other people who are probably feeling the same. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. That's love that. That's, that's kind of, yeah. How we set our day, right. Mm-hmm. Set our mindset is okay. What's going on outside? You know, Yep. <laughs> that's so true. So we love to ask all of our guests about kind of what, what are their storm chasing or weather fascination origin story is we 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 believe that you know people like us who are obsessed with weather are born with like maybe a light switch in their brain that is maybe in the Mm -hmm. off position for a few years and then something happens right and then that switch turns on and we become who we are in terms of being weather fanatics um so we would love to hear what what is your uh weather origin story 
And I think there's even more like spirituality to it a little bit, because I think that all of us have those fortuitous moments. Uh, right, sometimes right. they're as big of as big as a F5 tornado or something that comes close, so close to our town. Yeah. Mine started because I was born in Southern California, which I don't know that I would have fallen in love with weather there because... <laughs> I don't, haven't, haven't done an Orange none. County video over, <laughs> you know, like it just, and moved when I was very young to West Michigan. And there is uh, where I started seeing seasons. And like any kid, I think I was interested, but not, I wouldn't say that the light switch had gone on yet. And then my parents divorced. And this is the best part of a divorce is that my mom started dating our dentist, which I only mention in this story because the dentist had like dentist money. Which was something we hadn't had. And he had a cottage on Lake Michigan, which is something you don't have unless you have dentist money. See, so we we got to spend the whole summer at his cottage on Lake Michigan. We stayed there. I mean, aside from the weekends, we went to my dad's. We were coastal, you know, in in Michigan, at least. (laughs) I would sit on that deck or in the sand and watch the storms come across. And it was a very stormy summer. Hmm. I saw the power and the base of thunder. Like, I didn't know what I was looking at. I just saw lightning and I saw these really intense structures and I saw them coming closer to me. And sometimes they would peter out and sometimes they would build stronger. And I started really wondering about the mystery of that power. And then often it would get to the point where, okay, Jen, Sean, you got to get inside. Like, it's this is no good. <laughs> and then there was one particular day we saw a water spout. And that was a wrap. That was it. You don't, you don't see a water spout and then not get excited um, or scared or all of those feelings, you know, in one. And I went back to third grade that next year and we had the encyclopedias and I just ran to the weather Mm. sections, to the water spout, to the tornado, you know, anything I could get my hands on. And I'd say that the passion was born there. Incredible. That's amazing. What piqued your interest in even Mm -hmm. getting out there and wanting to kind of do this crazy thing we call storm chasing? Right. So I think it all really would, I would never have thought of it as get out of your house. I just thought you let it come to you because that's what I always did. And I always enjoyed every moment that it was there when I was growing up and mostly thunderstorms, you know. And then I saw Twister and Twister came at the exact right moment in my life that I was a teenager now. And I it was, what was it? 96 or 95? Mm-hmm. Something like yeah, that. 96, right? I think 96, 96 yeah. yeah. And so I would have been a sophomore and in high school. And what a perfect time to say, to have an image of Helen Hunt. We always talk about how powerful imaging is. Yeah. And I could see myself in her Being that woman, leading the charge, fighting for what she wanted, talking the science, not knowing how bad the science was in that movie, right? (laughs) And once I saw that, I was like, wait a minute, that's a job too? Okay. And so I started researching and then I found Valparaiso University in my research that year. And I remember kind of keying in and being like, huh, there's a school that lets you storm chase. And they had a whole program with three credits to storm chase every summer. And they had a club where you storm chase. And, And I was like, that looks perfect. In the meantime, my junior year, the next year, we had the, or two years, I guess it would be the 98 derecho. It was between my junior and senior year. That's why it's confusing. Um, and the 1998 derecho in West Michigan was pretty reminiscent of what we just saw in Cedar Rapids. Yeah. Uh, 130 mile per hour winds. My Gosh. town was wrecked. So many people were injured. Um, the movie theater where I'd seen Twister 
gone. You know, like that, that type of, it was just like, if I didn't get into meteorology, I don't know what was wrong with me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I went out of there after that event. I knew I was solidified that I loved the storm part and storm chasing was going to be it. So that's what I went to school to do. I really anticipated going to get my master's and then PhD and going and doing research in the field and being Joe, you know, like that's it. That's who I'm going to be. And so then I got to college and I started storm chasing that freshman year. We did a day chase to Iowa. Nothing happened, but it was like the road, you know, it was the, it was, that's all that mattered is that you were out there and even like a, some half buck convection, good enough (laughs) and we had the blood going yes and we had the proximity to iowa and to you know we were in northwest indiana it really doesn't take that long to get across illinois and so you had the opportunity to get out there and then it wasn't until it was i guess 2001 was my first big one and that was the 10-day chase where i saw my first ef3 was the first tornado i saw in yeah in the texas panhandle north of lubbock wow yeah. So like I, it really, and, and we saw a couple more and then we were in the plateaus in New Mexico at one point and we're just seeing like the most beautiful structure of thunderstorms. And like, if I already knew it was settled, what I was going to, you know, I was in it. Um, yeah. but that chase put the drive of being and this being in the smells and the feels and the yeah. tastes of it. Right. And so, and being around all these other people like us who wanted and felt the exact same thing. That's awesome. And it is, it's such a, a multi-sensory mm-hmm. experience and yeah. it's, that's what's hard to put across on a podcast because you're losing the visual side of it already. <laughs> but then to explain to people like the smells, we, we had mm-hmm. an episode where we were talking about the smell of a tornado mm-hmm. and it's just stuff you don't think about, especially no, if you're the- watching it online or... And you think about it, this is the early 2000s. We don't have cell phones. Like it's crazy right. to think what we did and we had little lightning detectors on the top of the car. And we stopped at libraries and stuff here and there and, you know, at the hotel in the morning if we really needed a radar image. But we didn't have anything. <laughs> That's crazy. We're just using our eyes. Like, how yeah. did we even find anything? <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. Just going by gut. Just going by yes. gut. Yes. <laughs> Thankfully, I had that experience. The joy of watching the atmosphere do what you thought it was going to do. There is very little... I'm not a sports fan, but I imagine it's what it feels like when your sports team wins the Super Bowl. You know, like it's there yeah. is a real like joy of the power that you had something to do with, and you're like on its team, and and then and then the antithesis of oh my god, there this could impact people, right? So like yeah. in the yes. EF three, in the EF three, the first one I saw, it was wide open fields. It crossed yeah. a railroad track where nothing was on it. Like that was one where you can cheer and yeah. have joy yes. and have, it was such a great first experience. And then it was like, as I kept chasing and, and I started getting into media and to broadcasting, I don't usually go if it doesn't hurt people, you know? And so mm. then it takes on a real twisted knots. Mm. Yeah. Mm. not so great joy <laughs> yeah. So, okay, yeah you you even made mention of that in your book uh, about when you uh, covered Katrina mm-hmm. and kind of that first time where you felt that that awe of nature and then the impact of people and telling yeah. their story and just that, how it's kind of walking that line and it's a weird tension and mm-hmm. that's obviously something you you continue to have to grapple with And I didn't learn that until Katrina. So between 2001 and 2005, when I'm working in my first couple jobs and I'm doing everything, you know, you can 
I had great experience in knowing what a thunderstorm smelled and looked like and felt like I didn't yet have the, the experience of knowing what it felt like with the people. And when I went down to Katrina, I can remember vividly thinking, I can't wait to see what a 22 foot surge line looks like. Like, you know, you think how kind of sick we are. (laughs) All I'm thinking about is a line of water on a, on a Mm -hmm. wall, but that's what we think about. Right. Right. And and what does it do and the power of it? And I very much sound like my three and five year old son sometimes like, and then the truck hits it. And then, you know, like (laughs) they don't don't think with a heart or something, (laughs) but I get down there and we get stuck like everybody else. And we had no, no food and no water, not none, but we, we rationed out food and water for seven days. We told stories four times a day. We were, you know, it was 95 degrees. And within the first 24 hours, I went from what does the water line look like to, oh my God, that person has a snake bite and there's not going to be anybody here to help them yeah. for weeks. And, yeah. and then the next person comes up to me because I have a logo and that makes you official and says, when am I going to get my check? And I'm thinking, you're not going to have a mailbox for months you know like it all started to really settle and i always say katrina katrina was my first big storm that i covered as a meteorologist on television which is quite a baptism by um storm surge for anybody (laughs) um but it it really gave me like the the harshest camp of changing my mindset from scientist to human and it went from you just having the passion for my meteorology to having compassion because storms are about humans and they're about humanity. And that's what I think I was a little chip was missing Mm, until I kind of had to fill that in. And and I think Katrina is what catapulted me into being a better journalist, storyteller, you know, and storm chaser. Um, And then you had, I think probably a good culmination of all of the things with Hurricane Michael. mm -hmm. So that was one that you actually got to write out. Right. And here is this extremely rare and historic category five which nobody knew when it was hitting that it was a category five it got upgraded later but that was one where you actually got to ride out the storm at ground zero yeah and then walk out and see (laughs) the human impact of that what what was that experience like for you yeah that's that was what was strange about michael was you know, Katrina, I was, I was there. I was just right outside of Gulfport. So we were in a safe place. We didn't see the surge. We didn't. So that's why I was like, I wonder what the line looks like. It's not like I watched the homes wash. Right. And we got in within hours of it happening. But anyway, so I hadn't really ever seen, I'd seen surge, um, on a much smaller scale. I've covered tons of tropical storms, Sandy, you know, um, definitely showed me what surge was. And I was in Atlantic city when that was happening. So I watched the full moon right through the eye of it. And I was, I was knee deep, thigh deep by 9am. I mean, the storm hadn't even hit yet. And Sandy was proving how much water was coming up. So I did the Jersey shore and I saw that Michael was different because of the intensity combined with the surge, obviously. Um, But after Sandy, I I started in Atlantic City. I covered the storm from there. And then I moved up telling stories up the Jersey Shore and eventually um, to to Rockaway and Staten Island. I met this woman and she was telling me how her and her husband and her daughter went up the stairs uh, because the water started coming in to their home. And they thought, oh, well, there's no way it's going to get to the second floor, even though they had been asked to evacuate. And they go up and she said within 30 seconds, the walls started falling apart and they went to reach for each other and they all hold on to each other. And she felt the entire 
home, twist off the foundation and start bobbing as the walls were coming off and the roof had come off and they're trying to still hold. They lost, she lost the husband and her and her daughter, this is is her last memory is her daughter being pulled away from her in the storm surge. She uh, got knocked out and was found by rescuers. uh, We don't know how much later, but she was not yet hyperthermic to the point of dying, but she was close. They saved her. Her daughter and her husband died. And she explained the way, the chilling way that she explained the house falling apart within seconds and the power of the storm surge was like, I knew it, but I hadn't heard it from a person, right? I hadn't heard it from Mm -hmm. the survivor. And when I came back from that interview, I said to my team, my meteorology team at ABC, we have to make that graphic. I am no longer going to stand on the side of a shore before something like this happens and tell people with a yellow line that says five to seven feet. What does yeah, that mean? Right. Like, yeah. w- like I didn't even know what that really meant. I knew it was powerful and I knew you had to look out for it, but I didn't know what it looked like in my house. So now I wanted to combine my scientific knowledge with now my human knowledge. And we made this 3D graphic that was stunning. I mean, it really showed what she told me twists off starts breaking apart and then i'm in michael and i'm down there and i knew we were in a great building uh the building you know i had done so much research of that building once we got there and decided that i felt comfortable staying i would never put people at risk the last thing i want to do even if it was going to get to a cat five i was more you know like obviously you had to be more than 15 feet up and you had to be not so high up that the winds would take off the roof but the building was fully cement it had windows doors not one window and door broke i mean this place was a fortress it really was made for a cat five probably higher so that aside i knew we were safe but we start coming inside. We're doing special reports for ABC because we're still on the air, which is pretty amazing, too. And I go to look at some data and my producer says, Ginger, the ocean's in the street. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Within that 10 seconds of me having looked down at the radar, the ocean not only was in the street, it was taking over the first level of the building wow. we were in. And now I'm watching these homes that were lining the street ahead of me. And I go now in the time that I go from the little uh, living area to the bedroom of this condo we were staying in, I go over there. Sure enough, it twists the house off the foundation and it starts bobbing down the highway. And then I saw the walls fall apart. And in that moment, there's a clip that they came back to me and I am, you can hear it in my voice. I'm shaken. And people thought I was afraid for my life. I'm like, oh, no, I'm thinking in that I'm watching her husband and her daughter die. You know, like that was, oh, my God, the power. I knew it. But have you ever seen it? It's not pretty. And it's not pretty from that high angle, too. I think there was a lot of things coming together. And um, there I know it's possible. I I know my science. But to see it with your own eyes is so different. And, yeah. and thankfully in that house, nobody was there, uh, wow. which we learned later. Yeah. That's oh crazy. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, Ginger, you, you mentioned earlier kind of a, a spiritual connection to, to weather and to the natural world around you. And that's something we, we talk about a lot on this show as, as we, as you know, people try to understand ourselves mm-hmm. in relation to these things we're fascinated with, you know, and, and horrified by at the same time, right? There's these, this, this fine line. I'm curious, like what, what has been your journey in understanding yourself in relation to these events that you, you get to be you know, in, in the heart of like, what, what is that? Where are you kind of on that journey of, of discovery and understanding 
um, yourself because it's a complicated, messy thing. I, I I feel like us three guys we we talk about it constantly, but we 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 don't really understand it fully. Um, yeah. Yet. Well, I don't think we're supposed to, right? I don't think that any of us get there, but it's the work that goes into getting there that I think is the beauty of life. Um, just like I don't think we're ever going to fully know or understand everything about the atmosphere, we're not going to fully understand ourselves. But the process of getting there is what we love. Mm -hmm. And so if you can kind of be attached to that, and I have, I mean, I'm it, when you ask how far I'm deep into the reflection on who I am and, and what I am. And that book really started it. You know, I didn't intend to write that book at all. When I was pregnant with Adrian, who's now five, I looked for baby books about weather. And this was not me being like, oh, let me make a buck on a book because my agent had told me long before that books don't make money. And he's right. Um, <laughs> but it was it was because I felt like there was like a disservice to children, you know, under the age of five, that there wasn't really a lot of this volume of books that I, and I thought, you know what, I'm not a writer, but I can, I can handle that. Yeah. And so I thought I go to a publisher, I've got a good platform. I can, you know, do a baby book on weather. And I start telling her about this character I had developed, Helicity. Mm -hmm. And she's like, that sounds more like a chapter book. I really think you should write it. And I'm like, yeah, as I said, I'm not a writer. And she was like, well, why don't you try? And so I wrote and then she, I came back with a couple of chapters and she was like, it's great. Write a trilogy. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> so I'm getting to somewhere with the spirituality in this, in that sometimes I think it finds you because I, as I was writing that, I'm explaining to her some of the events, the Katrinas, the things that I wanted to base Helicity's experiences on. And I realized that I don't just want Helicity to learn about the atmosphere. I want her to learn about life. Mm -hmm. I would love her to learn the lessons that it took me almost 40 years of chasing disasters and the biggest disaster myself, I'd like her to learn those lessons within the trilogy of a couple of years in her teenage years, you know, so that the yeah. reader could read and, and learn from those disasters. Cause I've learned more about myself from coming away from those moments. And it's not just, Oh, I'm grateful that I have everything. And these people lost everything. It's, it's deep. Yeah. You think about what humans do and their strength and who they are after a storm like that. Yeah. And then I get to be the front row seat to each one of those. So I was like, let me start using that in the book about Helicity. And in that, I start telling this publisher, editor, Wendy, she's wonderful. Um, I start just being me and telling way too much private you know, information. And I'm like, Oh, and then there was the time I didn't get married. That was funny. And then she's like, tell me more. And so we, <laughs> she starts telling me all these things. And at the end, I went to write a baby book about the weather, but I wrote a memoir about suicide and depression, wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, like, how did that happen? Yeah. Um, and as, so here's where I've kind of come full circle in it. I couldn't have told you why I didn't become Joe or Helen Hunt necessarily, except that James Spann got into my story and that's a whole different thing. Um, but I do think that me being, if I can humbly say something that I think I've gotten good at in my career, it is translating or communicating science. And I say science instead of just meteorology, because I realized as I've gone through all these different jobs and places and been the station scientist for earthquakes on MSNBC and even if I don't know everything about the science, I think I can take from the scientist who does and translate it. And so that's what my book became. It was me communicating the science of psychology. And that's what I've then, since that was published, gone on and spoke to different groups and started um, working with different people who are developing apps that could potentially save 
lots and lots of lives. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about from storms. I'm talking about from the storms of themselves. And so there may be this inner spiritual reason that I'm doing this and and that I have these talents to be able to use them for both. And so in my next book, which comes out this next fall, um, I really go much farther into that. And and it's a much deeper dive into my life. The first one was kind of like me light. And this is, you know, this one doesn't hold back. Wow. Wow. Excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. Very. I I can, I can tell you this ginger uh, from us three guys, we're, all three of us have walked our paths of mental health and different varying degrees of mental illness. And that's actually been, your book was, it's interesting, our conversation even right now, it's one thing to find people that love storms because we have a peculiar passion that's, uh, when you ever you meet someone like that, you're like, yes. But then there's another layer that you're talking about, being able to connect as humans and their struggles and mm-hmm. the, the disaster that we have going on inside, mm-hmm. even the one that's outside of us. And uh, so the first thing I'd just love to say is thank you for your book. It was it was really encouraging, really helpful, and uh, so glad that you wrote that and that it had thank the courage you. and bravery to do that because that's actually been a great conversation for us. Uh, I'd love to talk about uh, Chasing Elicity a little bit too yeah. because my teen angst came out uh, <laughs> reading that. Am I allowed to say that? And so I, I think I think what, what stood out to me was you have this character who is everything that all four of us were at that age to some degree mm-hmm. getting to meet a storm chaser or someone, I mean, all these desires with meteorology coming out. Um, what would you give advice to uh, when you have like students or those who are teenagers or even older who are trying to explore meteorology? What are some of the things that you teach them that you talk to them and you want to instill into them? Yeah. And stuff that I wish I would have been told. I think that's the thing is I didn't really have a mentor until I met James Spann. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't really have somebody to lead the way and then stick with me along the way. And I think that being a mentor and having them in all parts of life, but especially in meteorology and storm chasing is critical. You can't run out. She needed Lana, you know, Felicity meets the the professor who is the experienced and she takes her under her wing. And you have to have that. You can't just be a 13, 14 year old and start, <laughs> you know, asking somebody for a ride to a tornado. So um, there's your, obviously your parents are going to think you're weird. Like, yes, you. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. inevitably that that's going to happen. You're not going to find many parents who are fully on board and understanding that. And people will ask, is that autobiographical? You know, like, does, is that, is your brother like Andy? And I'm like, no, I had to, I had to, I can't just yeah. make it all about me. I had to write a fictional <laughs> book in some ways. Uh, but I do think that the struggles that Holicity has, especially the self doubt, you know, it's very easy when you choose something as, uh, I don't want to call it strange. It's not strange. It's uh, unique. Yeah. It is less common um, mm-hmm. as storm chasing as something that you are passionate about and want to do. I think when you start having to explain yourself to other people, or mm-hmm. I think you need to know your why. Why do you want to do it? You know, and that was maybe something that I could have figured out a little sooner. I just knew I liked it. It was exciting. It was, I don't know if I had the right answer, but if you can search for that and ask other people, what, why do you do it? Or what have you, you know, what would you do different? Or how would you, you can develop your why and then your why is going to drive you. And it doesn't mean you can't change that. It doesn't mean you're stuck or locked in. That would help, you know, and that, that why will also help bring the passion compassion it'll give you the the thing earlier than i learned it and i think that would be really helpful that's good 
That's yeah. great. And that's, a, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, those are the questions that we continually ask ourselves because it mm-hmm. is, it's every chase, there's a moment of reflection after. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what we've seen. It could be a, a complete bust. And then you mm-hmm. have to reflect on how you handle oh, yeah. that. <laughs> like there's, there's always a moment of self-reflection at the end. And, and why are we doing this? We've asked that mm-hmm. question so many times, especially when we've come across damage paths. Mm-hmm. Like, why are we doing this? And I think mm-hmm. that I'm so glad that you pointed that out specifically that there has, you have to explore the why, because that will give meaning to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that carries you through what you do. And it gives you the drive to keep doing it. And that's just yeah. such an important element that I think can easily get looked over in the chaos of it. And then you're exhausted at the end of each chase. And mm-hmm. you know, you're just looking forward to the next forecast. But I think the why really, really comes in and supports the trajectory of what you're doing. Yes. And it's such a massive part of it. I think that it rounds you out as a person because it gives, uh, I've seen within the Chase community and within even the students that I went to school with that went on and, you know, just different people. It is, it is easy to not have a, dis- you can't can't always distinguish between the addiction. It looks like an addiction versus the career, if that makes it sound. And there's, I want to say there's nothing wrong with addiction. There's something wrong with addiction to anything. You know, if you can't live and you can't miss that next storm and you're going to miss your sister's wedding because of it. Yeah. You know, I think that sometimes it's gone too far. What is your why? Why is the why taking you, you know, and I'm not saying that family needs to be first in everybody's life, but at least in my short 40 years that I've had, I have learned a thing or two. And I think that will stay with you and it would, Mm -hmm. would, would be helpful for someone to, to reassess. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Just a, keeping a mindful attitude, you know, yes. about life in general. And yeah, storms can teach us that. And our fascination with storms can teach us that. And I've, I've found talking to, to people like you, Ginger, who are who are fascinated by weather, are usually fascinated by a lot of things and excited mm-hmm. by a lot of things, right? And, and yeah. us three guys are the same way. And it's like, we constantly have to reassess, like, am I being mindful? Am I, am I caring for the people I need to care for? Am I caring for myself amidst, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. amidst these things? Because I'm, I want to be fascinated and learn about everything and go, go, go deep into everything all the time. Oh, yeah. Yes. So after Michael, what came to me was on the walk out because we had to hike the two miles because obviously the roads were full of sand and homes. Everybody that I met for the first time in my whole career, usually the other storms I've done, they're like they tell you, well, we got looted, you know, the woman who lost her husband uh, and daughter, she, they didn't leave because they got looted in Irene and they didn't want to get looted again. Wow. And then the next, you know, um, in Jersey, lots of stories of, Oh, we just didn't, didn't believe it. You know, like you, you get that a lot Right. Yeah. in Mexico beach, every person, 12 people in a row said, I didn't have a way to get out. And I was like, what? I'm sorry. What? One of the men was a, a line cook. Uh, and he spoke Spanish and he didn't really know the severity of it. Um, another couple was handicapped and on oxygen and they didn't have family nearby. They survived by putting life jackets on and floating and then finding a boat to hold on to. Like think of all these stories. And it really started motivating my why a little bit more to, I know where the storm's going. Obviously I was there in Mexico beach. Like we know we're, we're getting pretty good at pinpointing where to be. How yeah. are we not developing something where we have the 
the exit before the exit where we bring a bus in there and like, who needs help out? Yep. Like, can't I pair with Tesla Whoever. and get yeah. a, an electric yeah. bus that saves people before the storm happens? Yeah. And in the and and to make it selfish, you know, for ABC, we plop a GoPro on their front door. Can we, and then we've got the video and any looters yep. that come in here, you know, like there's yep. stuff we can yep. do. And maybe that's win, the power win, win. of my why that's starting to evolve. Yeah. Mm. And then, then if they say we don't want to go, okay, that's their own deal. You know, but to meet all those people who didn't have a way out, that was one of the really most heartbreaking things I've seen. And thankfully they were, you know, the ones oh, I met obviously gosh. were alive. So, wow. Gosh. Well, Ginger, you mentioned in, and you speak so well of the why, and it's caused me, you know, I'm going to have to reflect after this, you know, um, in terms of understanding my own why and, and my fascinations with with weather. And I hope our listeners do, too. I mean, this is just an amazing thing to contemplate and think about. Where do you see or where do you predict your your why that you have now taking you in your career, maybe over the next 10, 15, 20 years? I know you're doing a lot of wonderful climate change reporting um, right now. What, what do you see kind of, I don't know, projecting out where, where kind of your fascinations and whys uh, taking you? I'm so lucky. I do a show on Saturday mornings uh, with Lytton, who it's called Hearts of Heroes, and it is a reflective piece on these big storms or rescues. And it is from the perspective and through the voice of the hero, which we don't usually get to do because they're too busy in the moment. So like when I cover a storm, I might do a quick interview with like, we just don't have the time, right? So this goes back gives the time and it's sponsored by a company that's out of Michigan, which is great because that's where I'm from. That's the company that I am wanting to haven't even talked to them yet. So maybe I'm breaking the, my, my pitch here, but I would love to take something like that where it, he, they're a restoration company post storm. So they're already in the same disaster world oh, wow. and do that rescue before the rescue with them, you know, and there are stories in there and there are human stories that we need to be told in there and use this platform of ABC news and, you know, the power of that to really hopefully maybe start some sort of movement because respecting weather and the responsibility of translating the science that needs to be respected has kind of been my goal from the beginning. But now I think I just have such great opportunities of pairing together and networking the people that could actually make the biggest impact. And not one of those 12 people should have been there and wouldn't have had to have been there. And I'd love to be the person that does that. And in the same time, get more video than all y'all because I'm going to be putting it all over. You know, like I, I think that's going to be part of my future, at least in the weather part and storm chasing. Because um, I don't really, I would love to also do something data driven um, with universities for my "It's Not Too Late" series. There's a lot that I have scientifically. Um, I think that my next big foray has to be in the production of children's or youth programming for science because Helicity gave me that entry and the response has been so great. And I've had so many kids that maybe didn't love storms. Maybe they were super scared of storms. And now this has helped them see the beauty of it. That's That's wonderful. That's really great. And super inspiring too. I mean, like Jeremy said, I think all three of us are just going to go off and ponder (laughs) our why this afternoon because it's just, and I I think, I know for me, it it is constantly evolving. Mm -hmm. It's taking on, maybe new meaning or or different levels of meaning but it's it's a constant internal conversation for sure and there's part of that i find can be a little overwhelming because i know that in my career when i decided to get into television i thought if i'm going to do this i'm going to go all out 
I'm going to get to the top. And I made my goal get to the network TV. Right. And then I Mm -hmm. did that and I got here and I was like, this is it. Like, (laughs) wait, there's so much more. And it almost felt like I started fully over. Like I had erased Mm -hmm. everything I'd ever done. I was starting over and I almost feel like I'm almost 10 years in. And maybe this is just what age does. I don't know. My husband does (laughs) once. I got a new earring and he was like, are we okay? Is this like crisis time or like, um, (laughs) a streak (laughs) of pink hair. Yeah. 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 Um, But I do think that we search a lot of people are on that. And that's the beauty of life. We're searching for the next why doesn't and and like I said, it doesn't need to be the same one. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's amazing. Well, I'm excited for for to see where where Ginger Z goes. And, you know, I'm excited to see executive producer Ginger Z on some projects. Come on. And the tornado (laughs) trackers will want to pitch you on some ideas, I'm sure. in the future. (laughs) That'll be really fun. but yeah, just so we're so thankful for for your time today, Ginger. And we know yeah. your time is so valuable, and we appreciate you and um, just the, all the work you've done over the years. And like I said, you're such an inspiration to us. And reading your memoir, I was just I was just blown away by by your vulnerability and mm-hmm. just your ability to to verbalize your experience. I think that's something that the three of us guys really strive for. So we we really really look up to you and. Um, oh, thank you. Well, yeah. you guys are doing it. You know, you don't need to write it to be um, making a difference. You talking about it, you bringing it up, you bringing it up today, you're doing it. So keep doing that because yeah. I think the more we talk about it and discuss with other people, that transparency yeah. with ourselves happens first and then the transparency with others. And that's the best and most healing place most of us can get to is is sharing all of that and whether it comes to science and responsibilities and whatever it ends up being we just have to talk you know like get it out and communicate it uh and 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 in a way this type of thing no matter what platform you're doing it on you guys are doing the good work too so thank you yeah thank you i appreciate that that's wonderful it means a lot well thank you so much again ginger z for your time and just your wisdom i hope this really inspired our audience to to dive into their passions, but then also connect with the people around them and and start to share uh, their stories. You know, um, go out and buy Ginger's books. They they are so fabulous. Her her memoir, Natural Disaster. I cover them. I am one. Uh, buy her uh, Chasing Helicity trilogy. They're such wonderful wonderful novels. Uh, send us your storm stories too. You can submit those on Apple Podcasts. We love to read storm stories. We believe everyone has one. Uh, we'd love to read them on the show. Um, follow us everywhere at Tornado Trackers. Uh, uh, online follow us on youtube at youtube.com slash tornado trackers thank you so much for joining us on the tornado trackers podcast and we'll see you in a couple weeks bye-bye